So a very warm welcome, everybody, to episode 139 of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A, where your questions really do drive the show. Ella and Shanice are both online over in the social chat. So do introduce yourselves to them and let them know the city from where you're joining today. They're going to post some links um, so that you can vote up the questions that have been pre-submitted that you would most like answered. And of course, for you to be able to add your own. If your questions selected, then you will appear in the credits. Your name's going to appear in the credits at the end of the show. So do get your questions in early and stay with us to see all of that happening. And I can see lots of people already joining um, in online, which is fantastic. Today, we're going to be asking questions about business cases and in particular, how to elevate them beyond a simple formulaic mechanical model produced as a checklist item. Better business cases do build clear bridges toward delivering on the vision of an organization and the strategy of its leadership team. So whether you're working in the public or in the private sector, do better business cases really lead to better outcomes? That's a question for you. Helping us make sense of all of this is our expert panel. So let's jump straight in and meet them all. Abeya Agawal is a partner over at EY in India, where he focuses on strategy and transactions. He's been instrumental in developing marquee infrastructure projects across many countries. And Abeya has worked at the very heart of successful public-private partnerships now for many years. Welcome back to Level Up, Abeya. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, as a part of this panelist. And it's very interesting uh, cases. And I saw the questions. They are also very interesting. So look forward. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. Robert Gregory has built his career in the public sector over here in the UK, working with our National Health Service boards to deliver complex programs of investment. Now, his professional consultancy services are in high demand, and he enjoys both coaching and mentoring individuals and teams across the full life cycle from investment to service planning and beyond. Welcome back to Level Up, Robert. Great to see you today. Thanks, Nick. Um, it's great to be here, and I hope we'll have some lively conversation. Thank you very much. I'm sure I've been kind of guaranteed uh, for that, I think. Imtiaz uh, is next. Imtiaz Kadaboy is a highly experienced business analyst at Savvy BA, where he mentors junior BAs to realise their full potential in their careers. Passionate advocate for continued curiosity, I think it's fair to say. Imtiaz delivers value in every engagement that he undertakes. Welcome back to the panel, Imtiaz. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so looking forward to this, uh, another great topic, business cases, really for me personally, at the heart of every project and a, and a really valuable document to, to hold from the start to the finish. So yeah, looking forward to the, uh, got some great questions already. So looking forward to the next hour. It's really good, isn't it? Can't you just hear this? It's really good that the panel are kind of saying, hang on, guys, this is a key deliverable. This is a really, really important living document that's very, very, you know, on the critical path, if you like, to successful outcomes. Brilliant. Thank you, MTS. Parker Werner is co-founder and agile coach and, and also an accomplished author. I don't know how he fits it all in, to be honest. He works across at Vempio Consulting. He helps organizations embed leading practice in not just DevOps, but also so across a whole range of digital transformations, drawing upon his experience and his coaching skills. Um, really good to see you again. Thank you so much, uh, Falco, for rejoining us today. Hello. Nice to be here again. Uh, always a pleasure and um, looking forward to interesting questions regarding business cases. Um, usually I look into that realm from a lean and agile point of view, agile transformations. And um, there are quite some developments in how to do that in a good way. So trying to join in and be happy to be, <clears throat> being happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Um, uh, a really great balance to the panel. Um, also uh, completing our panel today is John. John Wode is a senior consultant with the London-based management consultancy Baringa Partners, where he specialises in business case, investment economics and business strategy for public sector clients. John teaches and coaches on the better business cases um, uh, 
uh, courses and also help develop uh, business cases for vaccine procurement, I think, during the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome to the panel. Uh, John, lovely to see you today. Thanks very much, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Uh, looking forward to, to some lively discussion, as everyone else has already said. And uh, yeah, you know, business cases are such a key part of uh, every major project and procurement, and uh, sadly, not always something that is done quite as well as it could be. So uh, look forward to, to having some discussions on that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much indeed. John, completing our on-camera team today is Sachitra Jacob. She's joining us from um, Bangalore in India as our question master for today. Um, welcome back to Level Up, Sachitra. How are you doing? Hi, Nick, and hi, everyone. I'm doing well, thank you, and looking forward to asking the questions for today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've got a lively group um, over on social media. You can see all the different parts of the world. We've not quite got every continent represented just yet, but I think we're going to complete that jigsaw puzzle fairly quickly. In the meantime, Sachitra, I think we should jump in and let's take our first question for the panel. Sure. We have a first question from our panelist, Falco. What's a business case? When do I need to write one? And who is the audience? All right, well, Falco, I'm going to come to you last on this. And uh, let's start <laughs> off with Abaya, and um, then we'll go around the panel. Okay. So a business case is a, is a document which satisfies all the parties which are involved uh, in terms of taking up a particular project or a solution. And uh, it gives you answer to all the, solu all the questions which you want to ask. Say if you are a government, then you need to ask about economic transformation, social cost benefit. If you are a project promoter, you need to see what is the financial return from the project. You also need to see what is the commercial case, whether uh, the, the chargeability is there, whether the contracting parties are there who will be involved and who can really deliver the project. So it's a, it's a complex thing, but it's a, the main document which will actually take the project forward on its shoulder. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, John, and then we'll hear from Robert. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I think, and, and couldn't agree more with what Abay has said there. I think the, the interesting bit with this question for me is the when do I need to write one? Um, because uh, generally by the time that question is being asked, it's about six months later than it should have been started. Um, I think that the whole purpose of that business case as a uh, a support as a justification to that investment decision making and that's the, the the sort of the end result isn't it that you get your investment um you know start earlier so as soon as you're doing all of that project initiation the, the early scoping of the project you can start writing uh, your business case documentation and that gives you the best chance to really work through it with success yeah, it's always a good advice, isn't it? Kind of start earlier, okay? Start earlier, just in general in life, start earlier. <laughs> Things will go much smoother for you, I think. That's certainly very true. Thank you, John. Uh, Robert, your thoughts, and then we'll hear from Imtiaz. Yes, thank you. I think the key word is, <clears throat> when do I write one? Um, the, the real key word is development. The, the writing of a business case can take place at various stages in its evolution. The writing should be reflecting a period of development by a number of stakeholders over a significant period of time, probably. So for, for the boss who says to his number one, um, can you just pop down the corridor and write me a business case by the end of the week? You've sort of missed the point before you've started because writing it down comes once you've done all of the hard work that goes into it. So, so for me, when do I need to write it? Well, once you've got all the information you need, it's getting that information properly assembled that takes the time. Mm, it's certainly true, isn't it? You know, the we kind of tend to focus on the the, the action, but um, you know, of authoring, if you like. But um, how many times have you authored a document only to completely, completely restructure it during review? As you kind of think to yourself, oh, no, it'd be so much better if I told it this way or that way instead, you know. So really good advice there. Thank you very much indeed, Robert. And uh, MTS, your thoughts, please? Yeah, I think just to add to what the guys have said, and the other part of the question is, you know, who's the audience? I think clearly the project team, 
key critical audience, the business representatives who are helping, you know, design, develop the actual project. But also the business case should be simple, easy to understand document so that anyone in the business can actually pick it up and read it and understand what problem you're trying to solve, you know, the, the current situation and actually how you're going to progress going forward. And also, as guys have said, the minute you learn more or, or reach the end of a particular stage, you update it. So it's actually a living, breathing document. So anyone in the business should really be able to pick it up and understand it and go, okay, that's a really good problem to solve. That sounds like a quite a good option that we've agreed. And here's the progress, really clearly and concisely written. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that's that's fascinating because in the past, certainly, the perception has been that somehow or another the business case, you, you know, you need to be a member of the magic circle almost, you know, to be able to contribute to it. Um, whereas if it's written in plain English, it's accessible to people, it's clear, it's concise, unambiguous. These sorts of words, if we're able to develop business cases that have that in mind, then they suddenly become living and breathing and usable documents by so many different people. Falco, now, you asked a question, my friend. Um, what are your thoughts um, on it? And have the panel met your very high bar of standards here in their answers? Yeah, I'm uh, very happy with the answers. I uh, really like <laughs> that you took uh, every aspect of the question into your uh, consideration when answering. So that was a really uh, great thing to do. Um, I think you explained what a business case is uh, um, as a breathing document, uh, explaining where to go, um, that it's not necessarily the writing, but the process of writing it and um, the, the planning part, the gathering of data, and also that the um, audience that uh, is reading and using it, um, that there are different organizations handling it differently. Uh, okay. Agile perspective, maybe as addition, um, that writing a business case can also be a process that um, can go on during developing the the product or the the idea that's behind, and that you can start with a very small document in the beginning and uh, learn when when uh, developing it if the funding process allows for it. So if you have a big organization uh, yearly budgets and you need a budget for implementing it it's quite hard but if you get those processes um, more agile then also writing business cases gets more agile yeah thank you very much indeed falco because you know we are all being asked to consider you know working in a more agile fashion and this can often um, cause people uh, a, a lot of head scratching you know to kind of think how do i best you know bring a more agile method if you like into things like business case development and so on so thank you very much indeed um let's have a look online then and see who has been joining us today uh danielson thank you so much for joining from um ghana wonderful to have you um online and joining in um seeing you've very active in the chat already. Marion is joining us from Housen in the Netherlands. Apologies to my Dutch colleagues for my terrible Dutch pronunciation there. And Philip is joining us from the city of Belfast in Northern Ireland. And um, a very good morning to you, Philip, um, as well, my friend. Good to see you online. Um, Mohammed is um, coming to us from Benin City over in Nigeria. Um, uh, brilliant to have you online again today, Mohammed. I think you join us pretty regularly now. Now. And um, Lynn, lovely to see the United Arab Emirates being represented so well, coming all of the way from, G um, from Dubai. And Ayo, um, again, a regular viewer, um, is joining us from Lagos in Nigeria. So fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Suchitra, I can see the questions are stacking up in front of us. So let's um, press on and we'll take our next question, please. We have a live question that's coming from Carla. Do you think it is necessary to write both a business case document and then a business case canvas? Or is the canvas enough on its own? That's a really good question. I think this is going to be one of those it depends type answers that the panel are going to come back with momentarily. Um, John, why don't you start us off uh, with your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, thanks, Nick. And you, you stole my thunder a little bit. It, it does depend. I think there's um, there's value in both approaches, and it's very yeah it's dependent on the size and the scale and the impact of the of the initiative that you're looking at but i think if it, it it's you shouldn't kind of undo the the impact of working through the process of developing a full business case um because that it, it it's not so much just about how you're presenting the information it's about how you're actually going through determining the project determining the, the the problem and the objectives that you're going after and working out your value uh, equations and all of that so it's it's the process of going through a business case is important how how you end up kind of presenting and displaying that information at the end is is probably a little bit by the by Thank you very much in, indeed. Um, Robert, your thoughts, and then we'll hear from Falco. Just briefly, really, to agree with John, uh, you obviously need to, there's two aspects to this, isn't there? Actually writing the detail of a business case can seem like a fairly dry process to some on the outside, uh, but I absolutely agree. Unless there is some really good solid work going on in the background by people who understand how to develop a business case, the, 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 the rather nice looking front end could suffer um, so I think you do have to strike a balance between the two. Yeah, it's certainly true. I think the you know that kind of bringing bringing the the text to life is super useful sometimes, and visualization can really help with that. So we'll touch on that again a little bit further in a moment. Um, Falco, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from Abaya. I like the business case canvas as a tool for developing it for developing the business case, gathering the information, working uh, in a visual way with different people, bringing all the input. And once it's there, I think it's a use, usable uh, basis for writing the document, for refining it, and um, having both in sync, and also putting the canvas into the business case document um, for people who are like me, more, more visual, um might be helpful as well so yes if you don't need the written document to get the decision it might be sufficient to just have the canvas but developing it is quite quite nice way um <clears throat> using the visual aid yeah I, I i certainly agree with that it's also a super helpful way to have a constraint to try and fit everything onto one page if you like so visualization like a canvas can help you as a tool to help you summarize and we're all asked aren't we to present the information in different ways at different times throughout the development of a business case and beyond into the project delivery so always bear that in mind it could be a great tool for you to use for that purpose um, as well obey your thoughts please and then we'll hear from mts yeah, I think what, what I want to say is that uh, storyline is very important uh, and it should be married with the data. So Canvas is something where you can go back and see because you need to go uh, forward and backward in terms of uh, seeing that the overall picture which is emerging is in line with the requirement of the promoters. So I think Canvas is equally important. Uh, and then Canvas will help the storyline to be built completed. That is such an important part, and I just want to emphasize that for the audience. Um, how many presentations have we been to where the day after we can remember actually very little of what was said? Because it was just not memorable. It may have been pertinent. It may have been valid. The content itself may have had great value, but it was dull. And so we don't remember that. And storytelling is a fantastic way for human beings to be able to remember the salient points. So thank you very much indeed. That's really great advice, actually, to everybody. Think about the story that you're trying to tell. Think about the story that's embedded in your business case and use that as the premise for telling it. Imtiaz, final thoughts on this one, please. Yeah, just a couple of final points. I think the, the canvas is a great visual technique, as the guys have said. But sort of going back to the, the business case premise, it's actually one input into a business case because a business case is talking about the as-is situation, the strategy, how it all connects, the problems and the options. So I think, yeah, like I said, the canvas is a fantastic visual aid. It can really engage stakeholders and you can work with them in a, in a, 
much more collaborative manner once it's visualized, but it's in a one input into an ongoing business case. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you so much, Imtiaz. I think I'm I'm in broad agreement with everybody on the panel. This is kind of saying that don't limit yourself to one form, okay? Use both. Use the visualisation tool. Falco was suggesting it may be a way for you actually to be able to engage people and initiate at the beginning of a business case development cycle. It can also be used, of course, to summarise and to present to different people. Around about two-thirds of adults are visual um, uh, favour vi- visuals in their learning style. So do bear that in mind. Not everybody is a person who can read just text alone and process that in the way in which you might like them to. So do think about using visuals as a way to reinforce your stories. So thank you very much indeed. What a brilliant question, Carla, and very insightful. And thank you for bringing it to the panel today. So Shita, let's move on if we can, please, and we'll take our next question. Another live question from Milvio. How does cognitive bias impact business case approval? <laughs> Fantastic question. Thank you so much indeed. Um, Robert, why don't we start off with you first? I imagine that you may have seen that, witnessed this even from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've sat in front of plenty of decision-making boards where whoever it is that's chairing it has already decided what it is they think they want. And I think this plays to the whole question of who is your audience um, and what is a business case. So so I'd like to advance the hypothesis that a business case is simply a living document that, that is never fixed at a point in time. So when you're thinking about your audience and the decision-making body, for example, for goodness sake, Whatever you take to them, make sure it's accessible. The average executive only has so many minutes in a day to read things. So if you give them the full works and ask them to make a decision, the odds are they'll make their own mind up based on their own sort of cognition of what it is they think you're trying to do. So I think the answer to the question is cognitive bias is bound to have an impact on business case approval. But if you frame it correctly, it's the responsibility of you who are presenting it for approval to make absolutely certain that that approval panel understand what it is they're looking at. So uh, yeah, it will impact on it. And and that's our job as business case developers and proposers. And um, it's fascinating this, um, Robert, because you've, you've kind of turned it around the other way almost, which is to say that we need to ensure that our audience here, those decision makers, um, and it's invariably larger projects have larger groups of people who are involved in taking decisions and very structured ways in which decisions can be taken. But it's almost our responsibility to ensure that they understand what it is that's being presented rather than simply listen and respond to it. So I I find that really insightful. So thank you very much for that. I might come back to you on that particular um, topic in a a moment or two, if I may. In the meantime, let's hear from John and then Imtiaz. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And I I mean, I'm going to thoroughly agree with with Robert, really. I think the there is always going to be some cognitive bias and and they can it can come in both the development of the business case and in the actual approvals process i think the only way to get around that is is one ensure during the development that you're you're being expansive and you're testing as many options as possible and you're working in an inter- interdisciplinary team so that it's not you know, a couple of senior project executives sat in a dark room somewhere, just sort of a pouring stream of consciousness onto the keyboard. But also that the the point that, that was made around, you know, how do you get people to understand what you're going for? Um, I think we've seen it uh, in some of my recent uh, recent engagements that when you're working in these really big, complex, difficult subject areas with huge budgets behind them, people are inherently, they're going to want to get right under the bonnet and, and give it a really good inspection. But the way to kind of mitigate against that is is really good engagement. And it actually becomes uh, a, a communications and engagement play because you you bring those approvers, those people along with you as you develop the business case and do it throughout the life of that development process. And, and at that point, you you improve 
your ability to get approval because you're helping get around some of that cognitive bias. Yeah, thank you very much indeed, John. It's more than just a, it's not a one-way thing. Um, is what I'm picking up from what you're saying. It's a conversation and it's a conversation that develops and it's based on the relationship and the deeper the relationship, the more meaningful the conversation can be and therefore more insightful. Thank you so much. Imtiaz, uh, your thoughts and then we'll hear from Falco. Yeah, I think um, my, my day as a BA is filled with cognitive bias. Yeah, I, I want uh, the solution, I want IT, I want a bigger team. I want a bigger budget, um, and that's my day, right? But also my job is to elicit the facts and the figures, engage with stakeholders, you know, understand problems, and do my best to remove opinion and present a really good, you know, almost as independent as possible version of the truth. You know, what, what's the problem and how are we going to solve it from an independent lens or holistic lens that takes into account the entire business, not just the needs and wants of the highest paid person in the room or the decision maker or two or three people that are trying to collaborate together to, you know, um, persuade other people. So that's kind <clears> of, yeah, my, my job as a BA is almost to try and remove that bias as, as much as possible. Not easy, but yeah. it produces better outcomes, yeah, and you I know, when you do that. Yeah, indeed. And I do wonder if it's about removal. It's it's sort of almost like kind of surgical. Can we can we go and remove bias? Or is it, you know, more something that um, you know, what we're trying to do is balance perhaps, you know, balance out that bias by providing such evidence as to weight the other end of the seesaw, perhaps, and and provide that more balanced view. Um, Falco, I want to bring you uh, in at this point, and then I might come back to Robert in a moment. Falco, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Well, I like that um, you just said um, we are all human being beings. There are biases; they reflect our um, what we are aware of, what we learn, what we see, how we um, also decide on business case on approval. Usually, there is a board or at least more than one decision maker for um, if a business case is going to be implemented. So, it's valuable to think about the audience when you write or create, prepare the document, and um, if possible, make sure that there is a conversation, as you, uh, Nick, also said, um, for yeah, being able to answer, to get into uh, good communication for um, allowing decision makers to understand what is there, not just the document, not just on paper, not just even if we make it visual, um, also um, to be able to answer questions and to have a common understanding. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And um, Robert, you were speaking a little earlier about you know helping um, decision makers make improved decisions. Um, in your experience, what are some techniques that we could consider uh, for being able to achieve that? I think I don't think we should ever assume that the great and the good who comprise a decision-making panel are more experienced at how to present a good business case than than we who are living and breathing it. So I've worked all of my life in the in the UK public sector within health, um, and uh, and and I know that 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 our colleagues in the treasury feel very strongly about actually educating those decision makers your 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 executives your non-executives your organizational chairs so i think from one perspective um it's 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 absolutely up to organizations um uh, at the highest level to make sure that their decision makers understand the context in which they're making a decision and what it actually means. Um, and that, that all sounds a bit dry, doesn't it? So to bring the whole thing to life, I worked on a project where we had to convince the government to invest in a brand new hospital um, when money was tight. So what better to do than invite them down, take them round, bring to life that problem that is live for you and which your business case is proposing an answer to. Because actually, sometimes they'll bite your hand off to do that because it helps them to understand what it is they're being asked to solve. So, uh, yeah, I think formal education of the people who take the decisions and actually on an informal basis, make sure you've given them the chance to understand your business. 
And that's really fascinating, isn't it? It's a little bit like um, and watching a Netflix series and the courtroom drama where the judge grants the jury the option to go and visit uh, the forest in the middle of the night when the deadly deed you know, took place and so on. In other words, it's the context. It's that contextual setting that allows human beings to understand the dynamics of the complexity that is being presented to them. And that storytelling element, you know, that um, Abeya was mentioning earlier on is such an important element to it. Context is very, very important. Our imaginations are equally active as adults as they were when we were children. And you just need to provide the stimulus for that imagination to translate a vision and a strategy and a plan and a business case into something truly meaningful. Really good. Thank you so much indeed, um, panel, and brilliant to see so many questions coming in. Um, uh, Milvio, you are challenging the panel today with your range of questions, so we're going to get to some of yours uh, very soon, I think. Sachitra, on that note, let's um, move on if we can, and um, we'll take our next question, please. We have another live question from Manoj watching on YouTube. How best can we transition a business case to be kept live and accountable on the funding cycle for an agile, continuous delivery cycle? Well, this is quite important, isn't it? In the world of fast-paced sprints, where the Agile team is developing a whole range of different you know, services and provisions and uh, capabilities within organizations, how does the business case kind of keep up with that? Or hopefully, it's slightly ahead of that Agile curve. And um, earlier on, we talked about having a living document and um, we talked about how important it was to be able to keep that living document sort of up to date. And in real life, um, Falco, uh, what are your thoughts on this? How, how would you coach people to keep kind of one eye on the business case, if you like, and also one eye on the progress that the Agile team are making? Well, usually you, you need to have a close communication. As we said in the last question, we discussed um, when presenting a business case to decision maker boards, um, this kind of thing we need to establish on a regular basis. Um, we would usually start off with an MVP-like approach for learning and understanding the behavior of the um prospected users or customers of what we're developing and trying to get an um, early prototype in their hands to get feedback, to build on that feedback, to improve uh, continuously on the business case document and have a funding that is kind of incremental as well. So you bring the product along with the, with the user base and also the goal to decide to um, continue building the product and improving the business case, as well as um, writing the document, keeping it alive, uh, valuable. And there are agile frameworks for big organizations, kind of like SAFE or, um, or less, that, that support this process in a, well, not sprint by sprint basis, but in a more, a little bit longer phases. SAFE is talking about program increments of kind of a few months um, so that you have a continuous um, communication between the developing teams and the business and also the feedback from the customers and users in the loop. That's where I would start. Um, they also provide a document for a lean business case where you have kind of two pages um, template that you can fill out and start from and then improve and um, create a full-fledged document during the development process. Okay, thank you very much indeed. We've had um, lots of contributions as well, Falco, from others, you know, kind of in the audience. So I just want to, if we can, um, uh, team, come back to uh, Robert's comment. Here we are. Um, he was talking about that keyword being business, you know, and um, that they should be in the lead, not the ones to be convinced. So that is, you know, a really important thing. And it speaks to that relationship. It speaks to that very intimate relationship that, you know, the panel has been um, uh, recommending and Falco 
Bianca in particular, I know you're a great champion of that in real life. So thank you very much. Um, Abeya, your thoughts, and um, then we'll go to John. I think you should be very uh, alive to business variables from the beginning so that you can play with your uh, uh, business case along with those variables because I think people are going to ask you to be agile and change your business case. And uh, second thing is that uh, the overall, I think, storyline, you should be very alive at how it is changing and uh, how it should be always kept uh, in front of you. I think the case was the hospital, where uh, ultimately seeing is believing. So, thank you very much indeed. And uh, John, your thoughts on this? Yeah, thank you. Uh, and I think we've got to recognise actually that that all business cases are sort of agile. Um, nothing ever stays exactly the same, and they're all going to develop and and improve over time. I think. You know, Falco made the point about that that kind of MVP approach um, when you are doing an agile big A business case, and and I think that that's that's a really mm. important way of of starting off that that building of understanding with the people who are uh, reviewing this and approving this, to, so that they have a view of the direction of travel, and you can you can build on uh, on that as you go, as long as you have the story and you have convinced people in your narrative that it's a, a worthwhile thing to do. Uh, I, I think the big challenge on any business case is is keeping it live um, and in use because I think that they should be like any other project documentation, you know, like a, a charter or a project initiation document or any of those sorts of things. They should be live documents. They should be part of uh, the guidance set, the, the handrails that you use to to direct and guide that particular initiative, and uh, it's it's a continuous battle that that these things don't get put away and filed away in SharePoint or put on a shelf somewhere and left alone. Um, so building in those continuous sort of review cycles is is really important to keep them keep them sort of in people's minds so they understand what uh, what they're there for. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, John. So let's um, let's hope, Manoj. I hope that we were able to answer your question um, uh, thoroughly. There's some pretty good answers, I think, from the panel. Hope that that is all useful for you. Let's move on, if we can, to Chitra, and we'll take our next question. We have a question from Wandimo. How can we prepare a compelling business case? What are the main elements of a business case? Are there any investment thresholds to write a business case? Okay, so one demo is always somebody that wants best value. Okay, so and <laughs> pack three questions into one there. So thank you, one demo. So we'll do our best. All right, across the panel to address all three elements. Robert, why don't you start us off? Okay, and um, uh, over to you. Yeah, well, I'll try and keep it brief. There's a lot of questions there. We could spend the rest of the morning on that one, couldn't we? I think the bit about a compelling business case plays to what John was saying just now and some of the others. You know, a, a, a business case is a live document. It it, it, it never settles down and, and retires or does anything. It sits for me in a metaphoric uh, ring binder, which you're putting bits of paper into and taking bits of paper out of, although maybe it's all digitally managed these days. But the audience for your business case varies by the day and by the week. And I think that we should be choosing how we present to show that business case to that audience. If you just have one bound document that sits on a shelf, you've sort of failed in your mission before you've started because it has to assume different identities at different times, yeah? So, um, uh, uh, sorry, I've lost the question because it's not on the, it's not on the screen. Uh, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the main elements, Wondemu, um, the Better Business Cases methodology focuses on the five key elements. The, the Strategically, why are we doing something in the first place? Economically, can we do it in a way that delivers best value for money uh, in the public sector to the taxpayer, in the private sector to the investor? Commercially, is there something out there that can deliver what we aspire to? 
financially, can we afford it anyway? And from a management perspective, do we have the capability both within our organization and within the context we're operating to deliver it successfully? And if you keep those five dimensions in mind, I'd say that's a fairly good guide to what are the main elements. As regards investment thresholds, I can only say how long is a piece of string. If you work in, in the UK, the government set those out very clearly for its uh, public sector. I, you need to ask your decision-making body and ensure you know what those thresholds are. That's as about as succinct as I can be. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much. I feel like I feel like we've we've got a kind of a degree level subject compressed into a, you know, kind of TikTok style um, answer. So thank you very much indeed, Robert. Not not a not an easy one to be able to uh, to answer so succinctly. Brilliantly done. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Falco, your thoughts, and then we'll hear from John. Yeah, okay. Uh, very well done. I also agree that's uh, completely um, short answered. Um, compelling business case, as as you said, um, you you need to make it visual, graspable for the decision makers. Um, visual might be an option. Um, emotionally, like uh, the example with the um, hospital, or uh, in any way, um, something the decision makers also wanted want you um, to to um, to win to bring to life. Um, elements, yeah, the, the problem, the solution, um, the costs and uh, benefit, and uh, uh, at the end, um, the team that's able to to achieve it. Um, and yeah, investment thresholds. There are different levels of granularity. We had the business um, case canvas. You can do that for more or less every type of initiative that you want to do. A lengthy several pages document you might not uh, have to fill out if it, if it's a small initiative. Um, there, there's usually value in doing it, but um, maybe more value in already implementing. So um, there is a threshold of probably a few few k um, where you, where you start um, developing the document. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Falco. And um, the, you will hear the kind of, it depends quite a lot coming through in the answers to these, just, just simply because, you know, these things need to scale and they need to be um, sensibly scaled to fit your set of circumstances. Thank you so much, Falco. Um, John, your thoughts, please, and then we'll hear from MTS. Yeah, I, I was just going to pick up on that piece about uh, sort of investment thresholds and and Falco, Falco's kind of uh, covered covered the the same direction, the same ground that I was going to go for. I think you've got to you've got to think about the balance of time and effort put in to generate the business case versus you know actually sometimes these things are a bit of a no brainer. Uh, let's get on with it and and take value out of having made the investment instead and. Uh, uh, what we've got to remember is there are different types of business case. So the Green Book method has the business justification case, which is for those simple, non-contentious kind of uh, investment decisions that, that it's a, a, just a cut-down version. The, the, I've worked recently on some, some big public sector investments in the UK where you're talking six to seven months' worth of effort to, to develop it. And 150 to 200 pages, including all your annexes and appendices. So, it, 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 you've got to think about the impact of that as part of your uh, part of your overall investment. You know, is it is the the time spent developing really uh, going to be well spent? I suppose. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, MTS, final thoughts. Uh, just on the preparation, I think a need a good BA. Um, the amount of projects I've, I've been on where I've personally found without a good BA helping to prepare the business case, that holistic view is often not taken. So really understanding the business problem from a business-wide <laughs> mindset, not just an IT mindset. So really important to take a holistic view when preparing a business case. Um, and I think we'll come to it on the next question, but main elements that really, for me, apart from the as-is and, and to-be summaries, are really the options that we're going to consider to tackle the problem at hand. And, and those options being 
you know, heavy detail on the costs and the benefits of each option, but also the impact on the business. People often forget, you know, they're just as important understanding the impact on the business and the customer as much as how much it's going to cost and what benefits we're going to hope to achieve. Thank you very much indeed. Um, some great answers there and a really insightful question from Wondemo. Thank you very much indeed uh, for submitting it. Um, really good to see you online today, my friend. Um, so Chitra, if we can, we're starting to run out of time panel, so we may need to pick up the pace a little bit. Let's move to our next question, please. A live question from Premjin. How valuable is the benefit realization analysis with regards to the business case after the completion of a project or a program? Hmm. So the value of benefit realization. Um, Robert, let's start with you and then we'll hear from Abaya. Okay, I, I just make two very brief points. Firstly, when you are developing your business case, for goodness sake, make sure you clearly articulate the benefits you're expecting to see and record a baseline that you can record success against later on. And secondly, when you finish the business case and something has been built or constructed, make sure that that process of analysis continues so you can reflect back to your baseline and ask yourself, did we deliver something of value? Did we achieve the outcome? Um, and, and here's a trick. Ask your organization how many times they do spend real quality time, months or years after they've finished an investment, to harvest the lessons learned and complete the business case lifecycle loop. Because I think you'll find a lot of them don't. And it is so valuable to making sure we get it right next time. You make a really valid point, Robert. There's always a lot of enthusiasm and huge scrutiny over benefits. Uh, in the pre-project phases, okay, there's very little, actually, in my experience, in my humble experience, there's very little time um, awarded to following up on that post-project, and particularly when benefits in may be realised over many years. You know, there does seem to be an almost like a half-life of um, uh, uh of the appetite, the appetite for organisations to look for benefit realisation appears to have a half-life not dissimilar to um, uh, mm. radioactive elements. All right, thank you very much indeed um, for that. Um, Abaya next, and then we'll hear from MTS. So I think it's a very important question, and particularly when we are doing cost-benefit or value-for-money analysis, etc. After implementation of a project, I think we should also check and go back whether the variables they were used uh, they were really correct, and what is the lesson for the future? Invariably, there are many assumptions which happen, and I think if I leave out few countries like UK or maybe New Zealand, Australia, etc., I think the those data they are not so sacrosanct or not so readily available. So one has to be very careful in terms of using the information and how it is going back into system. So the recording also in terms of how and uh, what assumptions and what source of data is very important? It's very true. We can we can draw, I think, from the uh, rigor which is put into um, work in the life sciences area on um, trials for different medications and drugs and these kinds of things. If you think about the scrutiny and the level of diligence that goes into collecting evidence over a very long period of time, you know, there could be lessons for all of us to learn from that industry about how we might be able to apply it um, to um, the measurement of benefits in the longer term. So thank you very much indeed, um, Abaya. And um, Imtiaz, final thoughts on this one, please. Yeah, just to add very quickly, I think if we've identified, I think as, as you mentioned, Nick, short-term and long-term benefits, that we then measure them appropriately. So if you're, you know, if you're an agile, you may be dropping business change incrementally, so you can measure that as you go, update a business case, challenge, and almost go again. In a waterfall environment, it may be, like you said, there may be some benefits in two or three months, but it could be a year, year and a half if you're dependent on two other projects going live, maybe, for the full benefits to realise. I think really important that you, I guess, ensure that these meetings are almost booked in early. So it's almost part of that uh, process of post-go live. And that project closure is almost then incremented with the fact that 
there still is a requirement to have additional sessions to really understand where the benefits have been realized. But importantly, if not, why not? And then challenge that and almost what are then the new requirements to then deliver the, the benefits that we promised initially? Yeah, um, it's so, so, so important. I also think that, you know, you're not, we're not standing on solid ground. It, it's more that, you know, we, we do some work, we deliver an outcome from a project, and that changes um, the very thing that we're trying to measure. So the next set of business cases, the next set of projects are building upon what has already been delivered. And that dynamic uh, the dynamics, rather, of that environment do need some real consideration. And um, the time period over which you're measuring as well, I think, is very important. You know, whilst it may be very attractive for you to be able to predict with some accuracy what might happen and what benefits may be realised in the very short term, um, actually quite often what we're looking for here is to measure benefits over an extended period of time to be truly able to say that these did derive from that particular intervention that was made. So really interesting question. Thank you very much indeed for um, submitting it. And I think I have to say, uh, hats off to our producers online today, our audience for asking some amazing questions. So Shisha, we are unfortunately running out of time though. So I think we've got probably got time for one more question to the panel. All right, our last question is from Marina. Can the panelists tell us an example of their favorite and or worst business case? All right, okay. Now then, this, this will cause some of us to break out into a little cold sweat at this point as we kind of think, oh, yes, no, I, you know, that, I thought that was um, uh, kind of uh, washed from my memory, but now it's coming back to haunt me again um, straight away. Um, I think for, for me in my consulting career earlier on um, in life, the worst business case was the one that was really approached from a checklist point of view. Um, uh, it was made very clear to me as a junior consultant that this was a tick box exercise. And even at the time, I was very uncomfortable with that. But you know what it's like when you're kind of the junior consultant level one sitting in the room taking the minutes. You don't have a great deal of influence at that point, but it did haunt me later on in life. Um, Robert, your thoughts, please. And then we'll hear from um, Falco. Okay. Well, in terms of, I don't know if worst is the right word. The thing that really winds me up are the business cases with very flashy presentations where more money has gone in into binding it neatly and making it look attractive than has actually gone into the quality of thought. Um, as regards my best business case, I, I've been involved with two or three major new hospital developments, and one of them in particular, uh, the, until just a few months ago, some of the patients in it were being treated in facilities that were built before Florence Nightingale even walked the wards 150 years ago. And it's actually seeing members of the public and members of the staff walking into those new buildings uh, when they come to life and take us forward. Wonderful. What a transformation that must have made. And, you know, really nice connection between the before and uh, the after. Thanks so much indeed. Um, Falco, your thoughts and then MTS. Yeah, um, I like the business case that was developed in an insurance company where they replaced big software and hardware in, in their infrastructure and the team that was um, going to manage that in the future was introduced and included into developing the business case and decision-making, um, or at least pre uh, providing the data for decision-makers. Um, and then when they presented it, they really uh, came as a whole team to the um, presentation and um, made it visible and explained if you don't purchase this part of software, then uh, we can't do it. And um, if if you do, you invest a lot of money. And uh, but take in mind, you don't have to invest ten times the money in uh, new personnel doing it manually. So uh, automation is your friend, is our friend, and will make our life and your life so much easier. And uh, with this group presenting it to the to the team it was just a very emotional um, event and uh, yeah they, they got the funding and um, uh, worked on implementing it together quite quite nicely 
Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Really uplifting. We have two uplifting um, answers already. Thank you so much, Falco. Uh, Imtiaz and then John. Thanks, Nick. Uh, so I guess best one, going back to that visual theme that we spoke about earlier in the session, was where I was on a project that was linked to Store the Future. So we're basically designing and implementing a new retail model. So the business case almost became a visual experience. So each time we went back with progress updates, we took people to the stores and showed them around what we were doing, spoke to the customers, spoke to the staff, and it brought it to life, which you know really made that process so easy, so evolutionary as well, but it really helped. Um, I guess worst example when there isn't one. Mm. And the person at the <laughs> top point. of the tree just says, it's going to happen, um, turns up, <laughs> makes it happen, convinces everybody, yes, you're going to do it, and it happens. So I guess we, we do need to recognise that you know, that does happen in the real world as well. It, it can happen from time to time, can't it? And then that particular person announces six months afterwards that they've, um, they're moving on in the next stage of their career <laughs> and <laughs> secured an appointment somewhere else, kind of like yeah. the cherry on the icing yeah. on the top of the cake. Thank you so yeah. much indeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John, the your thoughts? The system's uh, been bought for. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely right. Um, John, your thoughts and then Abaya. Yeah, I, I think very closely behind uh, not having one, the worst business case is is probably the one that doesn't align to its own stated aims and objectives. Um, you know, you've got to have you've got to have that golden thread running all the way through, so that your objectives align to your strategy, align to your context, and drive all of that option selection and and everything that takes you through to the end of the end of the case. So without that, that's pretty painful. Um, I think the best business case I've seen recently was my daughter convincing me to take her to Belgium uh, in uh, in the Easter holidays so that she could buy more chocolate. But it was just it was beautifully <laughs> constructed. She hit on some fantastic uh, fantastic points, and uh, and I was left in no doubt what my decision was expected to be. <laughs> Marvellous. All right, there you go. Um, if ever there was a lesson in life, we can draw from the next generation. Um, Abaya, final thoughts on this one, please. Yeah, so my best business case is a toll bridge. Uh, it's across a, a river. And uh, there was a problem because many stakeholders were not really agreeable to. And finally, we got the approval on the business case. We made a presentation, a, a kind of picture presentation of a river and how the development takes place. Really use some technocrats in terms of A-shaped development, etc. And it got approved then and there. In terms of worst business case, a hospital in a very, very poor and remote area. Government wanted to open the first string. We prepared the business case. However, there was no taker. Mm. There was uh, no private sector who wanted to take risk and go there. So I think the private sector consultation in the business case was really something which was very important to us, which was not right. done. Okay. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you so much, um, panel, and thank you to everybody online. Now, I can see that um, I think Janice has probably posted the question into the chat um, about revisiting this particular topic again in the near future, because we have had so many different live questions today um, that we're kind of thinking that we may well revisit the whole areas of uh, business cases and business benefits and so on um, again soon in the schedule. So if you're in the social chat, do comment on that one, please, and let us know your thinking, and then we can take that into account, which is um, really, really good. So look, thank you very much indeed, um, panel. I want to thank you on behalf of everybody who's been online today for giving your time so generously and um, also to our producers you produce the show okay you ask the questions and uh, the panel responds so thank you for asking such a broad range of questions today and getting to the heart of the matter which is this continual conversation and evolution um, between the business case and the 
um, vision, mission, strategy, and so on of the organization and actually the project teams who are who are delivering it. Um, so thank you very much indeed. Over on our website now, of course, you can, of course, search for more than 1,500 uh, questions and their answers. It's a comprehensive free resource connecting you with more than 170 experts from around the world. So just before we um, um, kind of uh, finish, um, uh, I would ask you as well to um, don't forget to listen to the audio versions of the shows on your preferred podcast and platform and take a moment to like, comment, share and subscribe um, to the video on our YouTube channel. It doesn't cost you anything and it really does help you folks discover our content. Looking forward, tomorrow on Tuesday the 14th at noon GMT, we have a Dutch language webinar on how to grow as a functional manager using the Business Information Systems Library, or BISL for short, as it's known. Before on Friday, we're going to be exploring careers as a PPP specialist at 2 p.m. here on Level Up. Subscribe to the show and we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up and how you too can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. So thanks very much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you.